Welcome to our latest podcast with me, Sarah Rondell from Treasury Today Group and Standard Chartered, where we will discuss how a special division at the bank, SC Ventures, is nurturing innovation and developing new business models. I'd like to welcome Gurdeep Singh Kohli, one of the founding members of SC Ventures at Standard Chartered, based in the UK, and Amelia Ng, CEO of Olia, a trade finance platform created by SC Ventures, speaking to us from Singapore. Gurdeep, could you tell us a little bit about SC Ventures, its objectives, activities and progress so far? Sure, happy to start up. SC Venture is a a four-year-old unit of Standard Chartered Bank, which was set up to promote innovation, invest in disruptive financial technology, and explore alternate business models. I would say our broader purpose is to rewire the DNA in banking and be a force for good by fulfilling society's expectations of banking and finance. That purpose is very dear to our heart because it is not just about solving for the bank, but also solving for banking industry as a whole and bridging the gap between the expectations of uh, society and and finance. We believe SC Ventures is uh, quite distinct from other CVCs um, and other activities which the CVCs conduct. Why do I say that? Because it brings together an accelerator or an innovation lab, an investment fund, and a venture building arm all under one umbrella. Very few CVCs have uh, brought these activities together under one umbrella. And more importantly, even though these activities are separate, they are very interconnected and unique in some sense. So the venture building arm is uh, creating an ecosystem of ventures across a number of themes and across uh, our footprint markets. And we are doing that with strategic and financial partners. Our investment fund, is also distinct because it balances the strategic and financial objective by taking minority investments in fintechs. But we only do that with fintechs we have worked with and validated their technology and then kind of uh, help them scale. And finally, the accelerator or the innovation lab, which has uh, built capabilities for the bank over a period of time, has now started to offer its service to clients, such as the fintech bridge, or our own entrepreneur program, which the clients can tap into. In a short period of time, we have built a portfolio of uh, 20 investments and 30 ventures, of which 10 are live or announced. Ah, Super, thank you. So could you talk a little bit more about how this work um, supports today's key challenges for corporate treasury? Maybe if you could start by explaining how technology is changing the role of corporate treasury and how corporates interact with their banks. Amelia, would you would you like to go first on that? Sure. When we talk about the challenges of the corporate treasury, it actually started already. Technology has changed and challenged the way a lot of corporate treasurers operate and manage. For example, in terms of the demand in speed, real time, particularly in terms of the payment and the financing. And there's also a challenge in terms of the cost. So essentially, a lot of times when technology come in, it instantly brings speed, but then at the same time, some of them disrupt the operating model and some of them actually improve the operating model as well. So to to just give you a few real example, today 
corporates are, are given many tools to actually support the real-time services, such as payment. They can actually do it over their mobile phone. This is actually quite a norm already. And also, um, another example is how does it actually improve the efficiency? Again, the, today there's a lot of platform or technology solutions that allow corporate treasurer to connect its own ELP to enterprise systems to allow them to seamlessly connect with their suppliers and creditors and thereby to help them to manage and reduce the risks and the cost in the treasury operation. Some of the other example is instead of the first two that I just mentioned are the one that actually giving them the benefit. The one that truly become quite disruptive is not only about corporate treasury, it's the entire model that the business are facing. A lot of the business today are selling for different channels. And as a result, the corporate treasurers will have the, the pressure to be able to connect safely and timely to this different sales channel in order to collect or make payments. And all this essentially just means that the day-to-day -day of corporate treasury is actually changing significantly in the last five to 10 years, particularly in the last three years, when the pandemic hits, majority of the disruption that we see in the market, those that I mentioned, they accelerate a lot to the extent that we wouldn't actually imagine. Coupled with that, the current macro situation that actually including the government reverting on the quantitative easing, the disruption on the supply chain because of COVID has actually had further challenges to a lot of the operations of the corporate treasury. And we only actually seeing the situation worsening as we speak. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So. What I'd like to delve into a little bit more is this partnership model and how it manifests at SC Ventures. Could you set the scene around how and where banks are partnering with fintechs and how the skills and abilities of both are complementary? Gurdeep? It's a broad term for us. We believe uh, the partnership term is not just with specific segment. We are talking about partnership with our people, partnership with clients, partnership with fintechs, the entire ecosystem. When it comes to clients, we are not just engaging them as uh, commercial partners for our ventures, but actually as strategic partners and investors increasingly. For example, when Northern Trust has uh, joined us in Zodia Custody as a strategic partner and investor, uh, that is one evidence, and there are more examples like that of how we are thinking about clients as strategic partners. Increasingly, with our clients, we are actually focusing on co-creating solutions to address not just their pain points, but also the pain points of the industry. So uh, the recently announced venture, which is called TaskConnect, which we have uh, co-created with Lenovo, is an example of that. And again, I come back to uh, Amelia and Olia. That's also an example of a very good partnership model with LinkLogix. At a more global level, we are keen to look for like-minded partners. And we recently announced our uh, uh, sign an MOU with SBI Holdings of Japan to scale our respective portfolios by connecting the ecosystems. When it comes to fintechs, and I would also keep on saying, insisting on that we are a bit distinct, which is we are looking at the end-to-end -end engagement with the fintechs. Right from scouting for solutions to experimenting and working with them, 
to potentially investing in them and then helping them build scale. So we have an end-to-end partnership model with fintechs. To give an example, uh, Thought Machine is one of the fintechs which we worked with when we were building our Mox digital bank in Hong Kong. And we have also extended that relationship to the Trust Bank in Singapore. And we have also invested in Thought Machine by our fund. Other examples are OpenFin, where we have worked with them on the financial market side and is also one of our portfolio companies. Same for MetaCoop or for Zodia. When I talked about uh, partnership model, the FinTech Bridge, which I referred to earlier, is an open platform where we have close to 2,500 FinTechs now who are registered. And what it does is it brings together the FinTechs, the bank, and its clients to find solutions to business problems and business challenges. So increasingly, it is becoming a community of FinTechs to come together and uh, work with the banks, as you rightly said, and not just the banks, work with the clients and solve business problems together. Why is this important to us? Because we believe the skill sets are very complementary. FinTechs bring new technology, the culture of experimentation, definitely efficiency and speed. And they have a forward-looking view of the world, which is very, very important for institutions to be on top of. While Standard Chartered Bank, SD Ventures, has institutional knowledge of uh, banking industry, deep knowledge of our footprint markets, we are very close to clients, so we have understanding of the client pain points. And more importantly, we have the ability to build secure bank-grade infrastructure, which the clients value. And so in the context of this partnership model, could you talk specifically about evolutions in trade finance, particularly non-bank trade finance providers? Amelia, let's hear more about Olia. Today, there is increasingly uh, a model that we, which we discuss is about partnership model. So how does it play out in trade finance fields? A lot of times, the relationship banks or the platform that own the relationship no longer will be the only provider end-to-end. Say, for example, today when Olia actually start to do trade finance, we actually work with banks. We also work with a lot of the procure-to-pay platforms who actually supporting the, the issuance of the purchase order and also the delivery of the documents. Then we also work with logistic provider so that we understand the underlying shipments. We sometimes even work with the customs office of different countries so that we got real-time data to validate the trade that is actually genuine. So let me actually tell you, and maybe I use the example of our partnership with Link Lodges. It started off in the typical business cooperation partnership, whereby we leverage a technology to provide what we call deep tier supply chain financing solutions to the suppliers. And traditionally, bank only provide financing the first level suppliers to the buyer. Deep tier, it just means that we are able to actually finance from the first level of supplier to then finance the supplier suppliers all the way to towards 10, 20 level of the suppliers. And you can imagine a big buyer, the first level of the suppliers will be bigger one. Then when you go down to 10, 20, you are helping a lot of the SME along the way. After this cooperations, we see the opportunity in the trade finance gap in Asia, roughly 1.5 to 2 trillion 
trade finance gap that we observe, and majority of them are the SME clients. And then we see the opportunity using technology for us to facilitate this financing and the transfer of ownership of the trade finance much more effectively than what we traditional can do. From Center Charter point of view, because we also understand that trade finance is a very, very strong asset class, whereby actually a lot of investors take it as an alternative to fixed income. So we see on one hand, there's a gap in trade finance. On the other hand, there are actually liquidity provider. So then we actually set out then to discuss with Ling Lodges, shall we then work together again? So you can see that the partnership model evolved quite a lot. Number one is an arm's length business-to-business cooperation to a bit of a technology cooperation to now even earlier is a joint venture. Olia integrates sustainability, certainly by offering trade finance to SMEs. Could you talk a little bit more about sustainability at Olia? Yeah, so you can imagine, right? Olia focused on, first of all, the suppliers in the emerging market like in Asia. These are very fertile ground for origination of suitable ESG assets. So first of all, Asia is the largest manufacturing hub of the world. So a lot of the products that are related to energy transitions is effectively manufactured in Asia. Asia is the largest manufacturer collectively across country of solar panels. Asia is also the largest producer of the Luvian battery, which is clearly an essential element in the energy transitions space. So because of that, it is already that by supporting a lot of this trade, we effectively are supporting the transition in energy. And not to mention the second factors about financial inclusion. Because of the nature of the emergent nature of the markets in Asia, a lot of the supplier in Asia is in fact having difficulty to assess US dollar liquidity. And US dollar so far is still the the currency for international trade. Time for one more question. Do you think that corporate treasury will be disrupted the same way as it has been in retail, Gurdeep? In fact, uh, I was uh, reflecting on this question with Amelia a few days ago, and it was fascinating. One of the observations Amelia also made was, actually the disruption in the wholesale corporate world or institutional space is already accelerating and actually maturing but it is just that it is less visible than retail disruption. I think that is that is a very important observation. The impact is already being seen in several areas, uh, right from you know, security services to payments to supply chain. You, know, you talk about trade finance, FX. There are so many areas where the disruption is already happening in a very, very big way. One particular area where we believe the potential is uh, untapped and there is uh, a lot more to come is the field of tokenization. You can apply that or the digital assets and tokenization in a lot more areas than we see today. And a few experiments are happening, but I think the scale, we will see that scaling up in the near future. The difference between the retail disruption and the way the corporate world is changing is twofold. One is that in the corporate side, it takes longer to see the impact because the scale, the complexity, the cost, and also the institutional adoption is a lot more challenging. 
and one has to focus a lot more on the security and the governance aspect of it for it to become viable the second difference is uh, this is one area unlike retail where you will find a lot of individual players and fintechs directly competing this is one area which is corporate institutional disruption where again i would say the partnership model is right this is definitely a space where fintechs corporates banks need to come together to tap the potential of this disruption amelia while we do see that the institutional adoption takes more time when it actually happen the impact is much larger for example i mean just simply talking about fx right traditionally is only bank that provide that today if you really look at the fx brokerage volume in europe the top three are not actually banks anymore so it actually take longer time but the impact is much larger and we also look at it at a different examples right today literally most of the cross border payments of a lot of the corporates is already not um indirectly through the bank but there's actually a lot of the payment services provider already so it is actually a lot of space for new technology to come in to work with bank because on one hand banks actually will be able to provide institutional and corporates the level of risk and governance which is actually absolutely necessary in order for the big institutional adoptions but then technology provider and the fintech can actually use their experience and some of them could be in the retail space to cross develop with a bank so that on one hand you enjoy the efficiency of the technology but then you also actually enjoy the risk and the governance that the bank inherently has benefit so we do see a lot of complementary skills just simply in the corporate space because of the nature where corporate and institutions behave. Oh, thank you for that. So more more collaboration than disruption perhaps ahead. Well, thank you to Standard Chartered's Gurdeep Singh Kohli and Amelia Ning for sharing their work and expertise on innovation at SC Ventures and the partnership between fintech and banking. Thank you for listening. To hear more of our podcast episodes and to discover all our other audio content, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from.